So about 25 years ago, give or take, I was on the board of the Slovenian Cultural Garden in Rockefeller Park in Cleveland because I couldn't keep my mouth shut. There was a meeting of the current board and I promised a friend of mine that I would go with them and the, they were giving a presentation and even though I knew I shouldn't say anything, I should keep my mouth shut and just sit there. I kept going, you know what you should do. You know what you should do. And the next thing I knew, I knew it was stupid. And the next thing I knew, I was on the board and going to monthly meetings. Anyway, if you're familiar with the Nationality Gardens, it's that uh, long road that winds through Rockefeller Park, Martin Luther King Boulevard, I think it is now. It used to be Liberty Boulevard. And all the nationalities from all over the world have these very fancy gardens that go through there. And they're spectacular. But until relatively recently, they were terribly vandalized. So one of the first tasks of all the Nationality Gardens as we were getting together to reclaim them was to eliminate vandalism in the park. Now there's a theory called the broken window theory. If a vandal should break a, a window in a building that at least appears perhaps to be abandoned or whatnot, if it's not repaired in a timely manner right away, it invites another window to be smashed. And if those two windows are smashed, it just continues to go on and on. Replacing a smashed window in quick order, while not guaranteeing it'll never happen again, substantially lowers the chance that having another window smashed will happen. And it's as if the vandals say, fine, you don't respect our work, we're going to go somewhere else. So lack of care and oversight create a vacuum, which others, perhaps with less virtuous intent than you, will fill. This is what happened to the gardens. Vandalism plus lack of a care equaled exponential vandalism. And then what happened reversed the trend to change the direction of the garden once the rot of vandalism really took hold was difficult, dirty work but we all dug in and worked diligently at it. I think something not too dissimilar, at least I think, is what, what fell somewhat upon our culture and our faith. And not the faith, I take that back, our church. Both seemed healthy, moving along well enough, good people were willing to let them run on autopilot and move on to other maybe very worthy things. Certainly we all have enough things to worry about that if something doesn't need a lot of attention, there are 20 other things that could take our attention. And then a window in our faith and our culture was shattered and nobody did much about it. Maybe we didn't even notice or we said, oh, that's over there. Thank goodness it's not here. And then a second window was shattered and then a third and then there was a trend and now we are finally waking up and realizing, hey, there's a problem here. There's a problem with the leadership of the church. There's a problem with the direction of our culture. There's a real temptation, just kind of withdrawal from such public problems and say, well, at least it's not going to happen in my house, in my yard. And then, well, maybe at least not as long as anybody else is here. And maybe just my room, right? And then we cocoon ourselves. But that's not what great living is about. 
The great life is about bringing great living to others to help society wake up, to help them see, to help them live nobly. Because certainly, those without as good intentions as you are trying to lead you and your families elsewhere, less virtuous. And the whole point of Christianity is that we have been given by Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit what we need to live a life that is full of hope and joy and dignity, to understand where we thrive the best as human beings. And right now the church stands as a beautiful building with some windows knocked out. But it is so valuable, so beautiful, so significant. Like St. Francis, who was told by God, rebuild my church, you are on the committee to restore culture and the church. Even as a seemingly more powerful, wealthy, and sure-footed force, what seems to want to tear it down and build something that's more expedient than worthy. And you can do it. Don't underestimate yourself or your fellow Catholics or the Holy Spirit. Today we celebrate Pentecost Sunday, the coming down of the Holy Spirit upon the church, the birthday of the church, a church that has overcome empires, heresies, roving bands of marauders, schisms, scandals, poor leadership, persecutions, and just plain idleness. Through baptism and confirmation, you have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit so that the law of Christ is given to you, not engraved on a stone somewhere, but written on your heart to flow out from there to the world. And so let's get to work. But it might seem overwhelming, like when I walk into my office sometimes, and I I see I have a whole list of messages I have to return, and then there are all the texts that are on my phone, and then there's the stack of emails, or real mail, not to mention all the emails and the homily that has to get done and the paperwork for weddings, and you just go, ah, where do you start? With a nap. (laughs) It can seem overwhelming, you know? Where do you start? You have to start somewhere. You can't just tackle the whole problem. It's too big. Where do you start? Here's the answer. When we're wondering where to start with church and culture. Start with the self. Get your house in order. Make sure you are in touch with God. It starts with mass. Invite the Holy Spirit today into your heart more fully. Actively do that. Say that in your Holy Spirit. Come down upon me and enact within me. Make sure you say that in your heart. Before you go out to change the world, start sweeping out the corners of your own house. Confession, mass, prayer, holy hours. Physically and spiritually, throw out all of the distracting and harmful junk. Replace our own broken windows. Then it is time, then it is time to turn out toward the world. And like the mess in my office, you don't tackle the whole thing. There's just too much to take on at once. That's why we are an us, not a me and God. We're an us and God. So start somewhere with one task and and entrust that someone else will take on some of the other parts. Do just one more thing this week than you did last week.
The Holy Spirit will lead you to your task. If you are in contact with God, there's going to be a prompting in your heart that said, oh, I should do this. And if you're like me, the first reaction, oh, no, 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 not, not me. That's too big. That's too hard. I don't want to do that. But don't. It may be risky or scary, but all worthwhile things are risky and scary. Playing a football game, risky and scary. Going to the doctor, driving to the store, saying, I love you. All have risks and dangers, but all have possible great rewards. Today can be the dawn of a great tomorrow, but not if it's left on autopilot. Only if the Holy Spirit is engaged in our hearts to make a spark.